2 million subscribers. Oh, yeah. What? 2 million. That's it. I don't did know you, how it happened. Did you come home and like your house is like full of flowers and there's just money stacked on all the tables and stuff? And <laughs> yeah. The cats all had party hats on. All five awesome. cats. Awesome. Good. That's it. That was- uh, that's, that's what it was like for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I was uh, I was in the middle of sewing the wallets when I got a message from Adam, my guy who handles most of the web stuff, and he just said woohoo, and he had a screen grab of two million. And it's funny because I was talking with a couple of friends, like, man, you might hit like two million, like in the next couple of weeks. And it was that same day, and it was just like a couple of hours oh, wow. later. I, I would have needed like I, I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to complain. I got to complain for something that's what, what is there to complain about? <laughs> Nothing. But it's all of these know, people. Ugh. I don't know what's going on. I've added like if you see my bar graph, like I don't know if I sent it to you guys. When you look at my overall views from the beginning of time till now, you know, like 2015 to like 2018, like the, there's all peaks because that's where everything was the most viewed, right? Then it dips down from like 2019 till now where it's like nothing. And then it's as high as it's ever been ever. In the last two weeks. Wow. It's crazy. I, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, when they tell you, like, congratulations, this video is getting more views than usual. And uh, someone's calling me. Your video is getting more views than usual for this, that, or the other reason. And it says because you've been posting more often and you're putting up more content. And that's primarily, I think, the shorts. Because I'm still, my long form is still the regular schedule every Saturday, or at least mostly every Saturday. And the shorts are at least one a day. And that's because the, the, the website team is putting up a short every day. And some of the shorts are getting like, one of them's got almost 7 million views. And it's the, the bandsaw letter P. And I think it's the shorts that are, and I was talking with Jackman yesterday, and he said the same thing. He says he's getting all of his subscribers, all of his new subscribers are all coming in from the shorts. All of his shorts are popping off. Or a lot of the, the you know, there's like four or five shorts that pop off. And same with me, like the top three or four shorts are getting lots and lots of views. And that's where all the subscribers are coming from. So YouTube's master plan seems to be coming into effect. Well, I mean, hmm. (laughs) I have a question, but I don't want to like go too far into the YouTube stuff like uh, too deep. But is that or could you see that turning into something measurable financially or with like actual growth. So I don't know if we talked about this, but like the hollow view thing is, is one thing I worry about with the well, shorts. The, the shorts are monetized now. I don't know if it's up to the same amount. No, I'm sure but, it's not, but, but I mean, it's not nothing. Yeah. You know, and then it's close know, again, to nothing. From, it's really close to nothing. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but honestly, you know, I can go back, we can all go back to advertisers now and say, look at how many views I'm getting. And then ask them for more money. I think the important thing, though, is that they translate into subscribers, which then translates into views on the long form content. Yeah. And which it seems to be working since your subscriber count is way up now. And I'm getting lots and lots of uh, I'm getting lots and lots of comments on old videos. So, oh, okay. Video like, for instance, the barn video that Taylor and I put up is. I'm getting a lot of comments on that. And when I look down, there's a couple of older videos that seem to be in the top list, which haven't gotten attention in a long time. I can't remember exactly which ones. That's weird. Every once in a while, like a bunch of the old videos will just start to pop off. And I'll get all these comments on these old videos. And I don't know how to answer the questions if there's like a legit question. And then no views on the old videos for a long time. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, there's like 10 comments on old, like super old videos. Yeah, that is strange. Uh, I mean, we I've seen that a couple of times. Not I don't see it on a regular basis, but I don't know what causes that. I'm not sure. I've been getting a few, are you the drunken woodworker guy? You look like <laughs> the guy. In the, uh, so I've been getting that lately, which is fun. What do you I'm say? Just, like, no, that's no. my cousin? No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I just say that. That was me. Say he's dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> don't ever bring his name up again. I, I just do a pretty good job of, of answering a lot of questions in the comments. Hmm. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Dang, that graph is significant. It's crazy, right? I'll post, <laughs> it, on, crazy. I'll post it on Instagram this week. Wow. That's pretty wild. Well, congratulations on 
two million, and I'm glad that those all those views are going up. That's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. It's exciting. Now I could actually say because everybody, like, everybody would introduce me. Like, oh, this is Jimmy. He's got two million subscribers. I'm like, I actually have like one million eight hundred thousand. I don't really have two. Million. You know, like, I'd have to say that to everybody because I mean, <laughs> people would always introduce me like that. Does seeing some like positive growth and some, you know, the graphs going upward, does that give you some motivation or does that change anything? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I, I was about to say no, but it does. It gives you a little bit more like, okay, I can't wait to show the new subscribers this upcoming project or hopefully they stick along and watch, you know, the house project, which we're going to talk about. Mm. And I started the pool table yesterday too. I haven't cool. shown any of that. I'll show that today on Instagram. But I'm doing an exploratory build on the pool table just to understand how the pockets get installed. So I went and bought some just scrap wood. I say scrap, but I went and bought some wood that will not be the final wood for the pool table just so I could understand the whole setup for the pockets so that when I go and use walnut and maple, I'm not wasting the wood or making an inaccurate cut. So I could make that inaccurate cut now and then have templates to work off of. So that's what I'm doing. I'm making all the rails out of uh, just some cheaper wood. So we're working on that, and I'm excited now to show it. Whereas in, I'm thinking like, okay, the channel's dying. Uh, I guess I'll still make this boat. You know, at least you know, the core <laughs> fans, the 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 core fans that have supported all of us all this time are going to come and watch it, and and it's good enough. It's good enough. You're not dramatic at all. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it's it's like. Okay. All right. Good. Now I got some good content coming up. I got this. Yeah. I got a you know a truck restoration I'm working on. I got the house restoration I'm working on. The pool table. So three big builds for the summer. Then I got to start working on my go kart. You know. So I'm excited. It's motivating me to be able to show off some fun stuff. Are you doing all these builds as one video, or are you going to break them up? Uh, the pool table will be one video, and the house obviously will be a series. Mm-hmm. And series do so, so well. I'm trying to work. Well, it has to be because of this. Yeah. There's so many. Like for instance, you know, the sill plate is rotted, and the corner of the house is rotted, and and it's it's not in a major major way. It's not like I have to replace the sill plate around the entire footprint of the house. It's just like two feet in one direction and like four feet in the other direction. And there's probably other trouble spots, but this definitely is the worst trouble spot because it's this the, the deepest part of the house that's sunken the most, and and that alone could be its own standalone video. And then the introductory video, and then just videos on the on the graveyard itself. And I wish I could remember his name offhand. I'd have to look at my my DMs. But there's a gentleman who restores gravestones, and he and oh. I have been in touch. He's very popular on TikTok, huh. and a few people have sent him to me. But we were already in touch, and he's like, "I'm looking forward. He's going to come to New York State and explore some graveyards, and he definitely wants to come and check out mine." That's going to be cool. Yeah, so there's lots of content there. There's a lot to chew in, which is why when me and Howard were looking at the place, I'm like, it's not perfect. I'm sure there's problems with it that we can't see right now, like when we pull off the uh, plastic insulation on the foundation. I'm like, oh, there is no foundation there. Ah, I see. So I have a question about the graveyard. I didn't even think about this. You were doing stone stone carving last week for the Maker Central Mm -hmm. sign. Mm -hmm. Is that, I mean, was pursuing that related to the graveyard about, you know, like – improving um, the old stones or anything like that or no that no no i i've been wanting to play with there's a there's a um an instagrammer who uh, i'll i'll remember her name in a minute um but she st- carves stone and she does these incredibly geometric precise stone carving she's a british artist and she's very well well established and she's not just some quirky craftsperson she really really does these incredible works of art and she has a gallery and stuff and I've been watching her, and she makes it look so easy. What what her skill set is, obviously, is stone carving, but her geometric patterns are just bananas. And they look like computer drawings when she's done. Her precision is just top-notch. And so following her has inspired me to try it. And then when I started carving the Maker Central logo, it naturally did a V-carve. I was mentioning that. And <clears throat> I just went into it. Her name is Zoe. I just kept doing it, and and I actually posted, and I thanked her for her inspiration. But the graveyard just coincided with that. But now I have a greater appreciation for looking at these stones and realizing that most of them, a lot of them are hand-carved. There are some that are just, like, farmer-made. I showed a couple of them online where it's just a guy probably buried somebody he knows alone, 
<laughs> probably a murder, buried somebody he knows alone and then <laughs> busted out a stone and a chisel and a hammer and just made it's like, here lies, you know, Jebediah, blah, 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 17. I did not murder this person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it says at the bottom of everyone. On, on a random shaped stone, not even something that has like a, has a geometric shape to it. Huh. That's cool. So, yeah, no, it's exciting. It's definitely exciting, and it definitely has me renewed. I was working on the Good. pool table last night, and once I say it all the time, once you get started on something that's been daunting, it's like you take that first step, literally, physically, metaphorically. You take that first step, and you start walking, and then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I'm over this the hump, the hump of getting started, and now I'm started. And I'm actually looking forward to going out there and solving the problems of how the pockets intersect with the railings and so on and so on. So I got started and it feels good. It feels really good. Great. Good. Yeah. Good. yeah. But David, what have you been up to? Uh, making chairs still. So tomorrow, mm. Thursday, a couple of days ago for you listeners, I am putting out the chair build video. We took a, we found this little Goodwill kids chair and decided to make it adult size and then i had another folding chair that we already had a wooden folding chair that's from the 70s and i kind of used that for inspiration and made this chair and we were all surprised by we i mean my brother and i that it actually worked and so that video is coming out tomorrow i decided to make plans for it so i shot another video for the second channel that's more of a step-by-step instead of me experimenting and trying to figure it out so this week we shot that video and there'll be plans for it. It's it's um it's one of the most satisfying projects I have ever made. And I didn't expect that to happen, but just because it's got some moving parts and it folds up nice and it looks it looks nice, it's it's just so satisfying. Especially thinking the whole time that we were making the prototype one, I kept saying, like, this isn't this isn't gonna work, it's just a prototype. We're going to learn from it and then we'll redo it. And then it was like 99% correct. And it was just, it was, it was, I, I, I can't put in words how excited I was when it, when it actually worked. And so wooden chair. Videos. That's awesome. Yeah. I know that feeling. I mean, when you're just really not expecting something to, to work and then, especially when it has moving parts, I know, there's something about that, like yeah. a, a mechanism, you know, yeah. not just being, but doing is there's something really, really cool about that. That's awesome. It's funny. So when you're genuinely excited, it all it, it feels. So here's here here's the thing about me. I don't like opening Christmas presents up in front of family. I don't like people <laughs> watching my. Excitement. When people give me a card, I always like. Do you want me to open this now or later? Yeah, <laughs> or I can appreciate it because I don't want to open it in front of them because they're like, okay, oh, thank you. I don't. Yeah, I don't like putting on the show. I don't like the. I I I, I don't enjoy the reaction part of it. People watching the reaction. It does because it. I might be excited, but maybe I'm not showing enough excitement or I might not be excited and I got to fake the excitement. And I, I do it. I, we, we, we have normal gift days and I do the thing. We have the yeah. gift curtain in our house and we pull the curtain back and open <laughs> our gifts behind it. <laughs> the, gift, the gift curtain of shame. That's right. So shooting the video. The shame curtain. <laughs> I, um, you know. It feels like, oh, I'm watching the video and I'm feeling like, oh, I'm going through those same feelings. Like I'm showing my actual excitement on camera, but it's weird. Is it does it kind of feels fake even though that it's real. So it's it's one of those uh, I live in my head way too much. Me too, man. Me too. <clears throat> uh yeah. I, I, I go through that same kind of thing on camera about like I just don't want to act. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, people act for a living, like for a living. There's nothing wrong with acting, but it's just I don't want to in any way whatsoever. And I'm always really resistant anytime that there's like a, you know, if we do something and and then we have to do it again, and I kind of lose the initial, mm-hmm. you know, improvisation of it. I'm like, oh, I, like now I have to act like it's the first time that I did this, whatever. <laughs> or, you know, the the team has tried to get me to kind of do skit type things. You know, for the story, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like there's something in me that's always really resistant to that type yeah. of thing, and I don't want to seem fake or 
something. So, hmm. but you cool. you you might you might practice something off camera, and you're like, yes, that works, and then you already know that it works, and so then when you do the thing on camera, you you feel like you have to have the same reaction, but yeah. it, it's not the same reaction. So you, yeah. Just I was going to say all the time. If we celebrate 400 episodes and we do like something where we like dress up like women, Bobby not in. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to yeah, be we're doing I mean, whole... we'll do that at the live at the <laughs> sketch comedy thing, making yeah. it 400 live event. Bob just turned red when I suggested that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do like a, you know, like a 80s comedy comedy thing. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Well, like dressing up like a woman was always the punchline. What was the what was the the one show with the comedians and the crowd would shout out things for them to to do and they what's my line? line what's my line, line? Yeah. Anyway? that's that's making it four hundred and that's all it is oh that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun oh man I have a feeling the three of us would be terrible at like stage oh, yeah. improv <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh man okay yeah well we'll do that for our giant four hundred episode event that nobody knows about and so nobody's going to be there. And we'll accidentally forget to record it. Uh, for me, last week has been just like the previous week. I've been working on the same stuff. Still working on stairs. Uh, actually, I have the stairs installed now, and they look really, really nice. So that at least it's usable, you know, a usable staircase. I don't have the lights in place, um, but I do have it figured out, I think. But the reason I don't have it in place is because I've also been working on my small part of this big trade show booth thing that we're building josh has been uh building this whole big booth set up for us and i've just had some arduino programming to do for kind of an interactive display element and so especially the last couple days but i've just been working on all of that stuff trying to get it all wired up and test it and you know make it compact and make it to where we can move it and make it to where we can hook it up and like take it down, all that type of stuff. And then I had to build, I don't know if I told you all this, I had to build a, a carrier for R2-D2. A carrier? Was, yeah. Like, like a shipping crate? Well, not like a dolly kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, because like, you got to roll them around like a 55-gallon drum kind of? Yeah, so uh, we're taking R2-D2 to this educational trade show thing we're doing and as like a just a way to get people's attention. And he's a good example of, fusion stuff and arduino stuff and people who take their droids to you know events and stuff all the time they have these certain types of um like carriers for them because they're they're strong but they're also kind of fragile in certain ways you know just depending on how you're moving them and holding them and um unless you build one that's just metal through and through you know it's it has weaker materials in certain places so I've had to figure that out, and I've done it in the simplest way possible that would make it easy to move. But it's just a weird thing to to think about, you know, is like having to take this big droid and take turn your droid it into, to work today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like turn it into something that can lay on its back and not fall apart, mm. and has to be able to be moved upright and on its back, and like you have to be able to carry it, you have to be able to roll it. And it's it's super simple. It's not like a complicated device, but just trying to think through how the weight is going to, when it's on its back, the weight's going to be pulling on it, all the different joints and stuff differently. So how do I support it? So it just took a little little thought. But. Now that it's going to be in public, are you doing any last minute refinements to it? Uh, no changes. I did open it up and reattach a bunch of stuff that had been disconnected for different reasons and... Um, I kind of ran through it all again and like reinforced some connections because there's a lot of connections that are just header pins poked into things and just from being jostled around they, those can fall out and then stuff will not work and you don't really have any idea why so I kind of made a bunch of connectors to make things more stable connections but other than that no I just didn't have time to add functionality to it and honestly for like for a kid that doesn't expect to see a life-size R2-D2 to walk up and see an R2-D2, it really does not have to do very much for them to be blown away. Yeah. If it mm-hmm. makes noise and lights up, you know, that's enough. And if it moves, they're like, what? <laughs> like, it's it's crazy. We had um, some neighbors, there's a few girls 
that lived down the street, and I didn't realize they were Star Wars fans, but they came over to play with our kids one time. And so they're walking through our living room, they walk around the kitchen, and then there's this R2-D2 that's almost bigger than they are. And one of them just lost her mind. She was like, I don't understand. What? How did this? <laughs> who? Where did this? You know? And I'm like, would you, He's you retired me to turn from it on? show business. He lives here now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you want me to turn it on? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it'll light up and I can drive it around. And stuff. She's like, what? And so she, then on like Halloween, she dressed up as Princess Leia and she wanted to come over and take pictures with R2-D2 oh, and stuff like that. So it it makes a really big impact, even That's without cool. like every panel opening and you know doing all the stuff. So as a, as a casual Star Wars fan, especially the episodes what four, five, and and six, um, yeah. when seeing the actual when we went to a Maker Fair eight seven years ago and seeing actual R two D twos moving around, that was mind blowing to me as an adult mm. and only as a casual fan. Like it was. They're really impressive. They're definitely impressive when you see yeah. them in person. They're always a little bit bigger than you expect them to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had a comment the other day on YouTube, actually, on, like, the last R2 video, which was two years ago or something. And it was, like, why did you make it – oh, wait, what was it? It was, why did you make it so big? Either that or you're a really tiny man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, well <laughs> – I mean, it could be both of those things, but also I made it, like, exact size. If you remember, it was made to put a person in. Like, there used to be a dude who yeah. got inside the thing and moved it around, you know. So I think people just don't realize how big they are because they are pretty big. At the show, make sure he has a lanyard on. Put like, a, like you know, if you guys are all wearing lanyards, make yeah. sure he has a la- his own lanyard, whatever the show. We were talking about that. We'd have passes. to, make like, make a super long one, though, to go around yeah. his giant head. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I've been working on getting that that kind of cart thing, um, and you know, and it's basically just like a plywood L with a spine down that follows his contour because he's he's kind of at an angle, and so it has like a, a support spine so he's in contact with the whole thing, and then that's covered with foam, and then um, you know, there's like strapping points and handles cut into the the kind of L shape. It's not complicated, but. It was just one of those things I had to spend time on over the last week just to get it done. Um, and I'm really hoping that it all fits in our vehicle. Like we, oh. <laughs> you know, like Josh has been building this setup so that it breaks down into sheets and we can stack it all. <clears throat> but he's like a R2-D2, not Josh. R2-D2 is like a 30 by 30 by 45, like cube. It's like a pretty big box of thing to like, you know, put inside of a vehicle. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's mm-hmm. uh, today we have to load up and get all ready for that. Um, when is the show exactly? It starts tomorrow. So we're leaving oh, okay. early in the morning, it's driving really down, and we have to we have to drive in, have a, like a 10-minute window to unload and then go set it all up, and then the show starts like an hour later or something. Will this show be like equal in size to say, for instance, like the first maker central we've all been to like that type of footprint? I have, honestly, I have no idea. It's right. at a pretty big event center. Um, but I've never been to one of these types of things. So I don't yeah. I really don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it could be, um, it could be a really good thing or it could just be a learning experience <laughs> or maybe both, you know, but it could be one of those things where we've put in time and effort and we get down there and realize it's just not the right place. It's not the right crowd. It's not the right product. It's, you know, that we're so trying something new. you're wondering if the investment is worth it. Yes. And as far as segues go, that was <laughs> fantastic. That was very good. That was very good. I think Dave's got something to do. He's like, let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is we should wrap the show up right now. Yeah. So we were we were talking about um, uh, Craig. Was it Craig? Craig Bays. Yeah, Craig Bays. Yeah. What was his original his original suggestion? I think for, have we invested time and energy in any skills that were vaguely useless or yeah. maybe a waste of waste of energy? I think if we have it right, Craig, I think that's what you said. Yeah. So I mean, I think we could expand that out a little bit to just bad investments. Like where have we put time, money? Um, effort, thought, whatever, into something that just didn't pan out or didn't, you know, wasn't worthwhile. Um, either as a cautionary tale for other people or just, I think sometimes I, I know that I've put time and effort into things that just turned out not to be my thing. Like it just, 
you know, I have, I have skills in some places that are just better than others. And so like, I don't have to do all things. So Mm -hmm. anybody got any, any specific events of a bad investment? I remember buying, I bought the Cadillac, the 1967 Cadillac for, on my birthday, about three years ago, four years ago, Mm. just before the pandemic, I guess it was. And I still get people asking me, how's the Cadillac coming along? I gave that, I gave that, I was about to curse, I I gave that away because when I started digging into it, I was just like, (laughs) oh man, this is going to take so much time and so much energy. I mean, I wasn't trying to make it a perfect restoration, but I was like, I'm putting so much time and energy into this. And and as far as investments go, it was $1,200. So it wasn't that big of a deal for some cool photography that I got hanging around with it and having fun with it. But Every time I went to it, I had to try and jump start it, and it started, and the timing was off, and I was just not good with the engine stuff, and so I just gave I gave it away to my friend Mike. Just you could have it, and mm. having made what I guess you could call a bad investment, buying the car, and then the stress and trouble of moving it around because it was right in the middle of stuff at the racetrack, and then we had to do we did the racetrack event, and then I had to move the car, and then on that particular day, I just said to my friend Mike, "I'm like, do you want this?" I said, "I got to get it the hell out of here." That was like alleviating so much stress for me because I was like, I bought this thing. I got this thing. I got the fans invested in it. Now I have to actually follow through with it. But then when I just literally cut the limb off and let it go, instead of trying to keep saving it, I was like, Oof, that's nice. Hmm. Okay, let me just put my time and energy into something else. And I, I've been able to do that from time to time, just dip out of a, a bad investment, big or small. I get to a point where I'm just like, you know what? I've invested enough time and energy into this. I just don't have the heart for it. And maybe the financial financial investment as well. But we were joking about bad investments. And last night on my Instagram stories, I was showing off the new house and how I uncovered a pretty, a, a pretty serious foundation flaw, but it's an old house. And it's like the number one thing that goes wrong with old houses is this foundation sill plate goes bad. Well, the foundation, stack stone foundation and the sill plate go bad. It's it's like literally keeping your feet in the mud for 200 years and expecting everything to stay dry and clean. And digging into that, when you buy a house and the three of us own houses, and you know what it's like when you buy it, you're like, oh man, that's amazing. Did I just make a huge mistake? Oh my God, it's so exciting. Did I just make the stupidest thing decision I'll ever make in my life? You go back and forth on that for months. Yeah. And you, you're still like, I'm in the house now, 19 years. I'm like, did I make it? But now, by now I know I'm totally cool, but <clears throat> it takes months, if not years to get past that feeling of like, you're waiting for like that gut punch of like, oh yeah, nope. The house is completely invest- infested with, you know, some, some beetles. So the whole house has to be taken down. You know, you're like, you're waiting for like that one shoe to drop every time. And same if you buy a used car, it's, is the transmission going to go any minute? There's always that gut feeling, but I like to always take the approach when it, when you invest in a physical thing like a house or a car or a big car like that or something. I always like to take the approach of everything is fixable. It's just will this fix ruin me financially? And you hope not, and you try to make the best decisions though that you don't get ruined financially. And if it is a choice of oh this is going to ruin me financially if I have to fix it now, can I incrementally fix it and slowly? ease into the problem and slowly start to develop a plan to, to, to make this what feels like a bad investment, a good investment. And, you know, we, we have a, 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 we have a, a fortunate situation where like any, even if it's a bad investment, we could turn it into content, like a bad investment, like buying a house with a rotted silk plate <laughs> to like, well, look what Laura did. Laura's like going to have to replace that whole entire house frame by the time she's done. And, it's, it's probably not the most profitable endeavor, but she's reaping rewards in other ways, new subscribers and views. And, you know, all that translates to ultimately more money when you partner up with any tool company for whatever reason. So ultimately, everything is content, good or bad. Yeah, I, I think like on the car thing specifically, I mean, I felt that. I've wondered about that recently with both of my project vehicles. You know, you, I got the car, <clears throat> excuse me, I got the Carmen Gear to a point, and then I'm like, well, did it? Is it a bad investment because I ruined it? <laughs> you know, did I did I bite off more than I can chew, and then did I just cause this to be uh, like everything just, is fixable? 
No, I agree with you. But in the moment, I was like, you know, did I did I ruin this? Did I turn what could have been a good investment and could have been a, like a fun thing to do into something that's like you can't come back from? I don't think I did. But that was definitely something that I ran into. Similarly, on the Land Cruiser and the green one, um, I one of the reasons I got that one knowing that its body, the lower half of its body was really rotten, like all throughout. Like it's got steel plate welded into the floor to replace the body or it's like over top of it. There's holes in the floorboard that go all the way through. When I bought it, I was okay with that because I knew that there's a company that sold the entire bottom body. Like the if you just cut the thing in half, the bottom half of it, you can buy this entire tub as a single piece welded aluminum to the original specifications. Like you can buy one, they'll ship it to you. It's like four or $5,000 and it just bolts on. So you can, you can completely replace that whole thing at one time. Wow. So that was my, you know, I'm going to take a lower cost vehicle because I know that I'm going to invest that much into it at some point down the road, whatever. Well, found out at the beginning of this year, that company, which is super well known for doing that, that company that has sold tons of them and everybody relies on them decided that they're retiring at the end of this year. Oh, I remember you gonna, mentioned that. They're this. not going to make any more of that. So yeah. of those bodies. And so then I, you know, in the last couple of months, I've been like, Are well, you in the window? Are you in the waiting list? I mean, you no, gotta, I haven't ordered one yet because I don't need it. I don't have a place to put it. I don't yeah. have four or five grand to drop on a thing yeah. that it's just going to sit in the, you know, barn yeah. for a while. And so now I'm like, well, I mean, did I... Did I just assume that that would always be available? And, you know, did I did I make a bad investment there on getting this vehicle that there are other options to fix it in the same way? They're just way more expensive and they're not as tried and true. And, you know, so I don't know. I don't know about that one. Even the same thing on the White Cruiser. I put down money. I bought another engine to keep this thing alive. I put down money to have it worked on. And that was 11 months ago. And so... The last couple of months has been me going, well, I mean, like, maybe I should have just bought a new car. Like, but I've already, I've already, I'm in the sunk cost thing where I've already put money down, you know, to cut and run on that would just, I would lose that money and I still wouldn't have a vehicle. And yeah, so I'm kind of stuck with cars specifically feeling like maybe I've made bad investments and maybe not. We'll see how they pan out, but you know, when things get stalled or things go really wrong or things are out of your control. I think that's one of the big things is when uh, the gear, I feel pretty confident that eventually with enough time, I can bring it back around. The good thing about the cars you bought, you bought, you bought cars that are sought after no matter what. Yeah. And so they're very you, known. There's lots of parts yeah, for all of these. That's what I'm saying. You could turn around yeah. and sell them straight away to somebody that's in the same category as you that's wants to do it, but just loves those cars. Yeah, you probably wouldn't lose. But at the end of the day, you're doing what you're doing what you enjoy. So mm -hmm. technically speaking, like for instance, this house. Technically speaking, maybe at the moment it's a bad investment. But if there's another real estate spike that there was up here, I could turn around and sell it as is right now and definitely increase my investment. But in general, you do it because you love it. You do yeah, it because you want to do it. I think the intent of of the investment matters too. So yeah. If, if your intent is to get content out of it, like you said, it can be good yeah. or bad content. It can be, you know, it can work or not work and still be content. If your intent is to invest in something to have the experience of it or learn something specific but not necessarily come out the other end with a finished thing, that can have value. Like I've learned way more about cars than I would have just hoping and dreaming that someday I'll get a car, even if they stay in piles, <laughs> you know? Um, so, I mean, the intent there is, is on me. It's not necessarily about having a showroom of old cars that I fixed up that I can look at, you know, it's about learning about them and driving them hopefully. But mm -hmm. David, what do you have? Do you have any, anything like this? It, weirdly enough, it's kind of a uh, similar to, to you guys. So the, uh, the one thing is I invested a lot of time and money into learning how to paint a car. So I took a, I paid for a whole course when I got, when I got the Impala, I took a whole course on painting it, which was awesome. A lot, I learned a lot of stuff and then I invested a lot of money in the equipment that I needed. Plus the supplies. I have all the paint, the clear coat, the primer, 
um, everything. And I haven't done anything with it in a year and a half. And when I got the car, I was really excited to do all this work to it. And then I realized that it's not where I wanted to focus my time at that at, at this particular moment in time. It's not where I want to put my efforts because yeah. it's not going to, it's, it's not where, uh, it doesn't sound very fun right now and it doesn't help the business. Right. So I want to do things that are, so I have it. I will probably eventually use it and it would be nice to have, I might have to go through the course again and, and kind of relearn some things, but, um, that was a lot of money and time and part of me and wants to just to make it so it looks good to go get a vinyl wrap of not not like of my logo or or like a red bull type vinyl wrap on the car but just like a white but i mean putting your face on it like all over it would be pretty cool so um so there's there's thoughts of like oh just just go get a vinyl wrap as a temporary thing to make it look really good uh and then paint it down the road so there's that um i we're trying to invest a lot of time and money into a lakefront property that we want to turn into like a complete crazy looking getaway and we've been looking at properties for months now and can't find one in this particular area or we're we we tried to buy two the first one we were like two hours too late to put a bid in and then the other one we put in uh for asking price and somebody came in above us and we're going to look at another property that is out of our range, out of our budget this Saturday. Could be a waste of time. But I am absolutely scared about this because it it could potentially make us money because we want to take this place and we want to turn it into a complete getaway, like Pachuto style, mid-century modern. A gal- it'll be my own gallery of work. And just like a complete mm. flip and then do yeah. rentals. And it's also would be a getaway f- for us. And um, I know like, I, I know there's going to be so much, so many hidden costs. Like, oh, yeah, of course, we got to we got to pay utilities. Oh, there's got to be security when nobody's there. We got to have somebody go and mow the lawn if we can't do like, is all this mm-hmm. is this going to be worth my time? Or is this going to be the start of like, yeah, we're going to make a lot of money on this and let's build our real estate empire. Um, So I'm super, super scared about that. And the funny thing is, it's like I was talking to my buddy. We went to lunch last summer. He owns a bunch of properties. And he was just like, it's worked out really well for him. Where he's like, if it doesn't work, you just sell it. But these properties that we're looking at, they were much cheaper two years ago. Yeah. And they're like, if we got this property and we wanted to sell it a year from now, would we take a huge loss? Right. And so that's, uh, that's our kind of our mindset right now is, is this, is this the right time? But this is a, but this is an investment into my business. This is an investment into our future. I, don't think this YouTube thing is going to work forever. So I want to have real estate. I want to have these other investments that could potentially make money after YouTube is done. But this is also going to be a whole series on my channel of taking this, taking a crappy cottage and turn it into a mid-century modern getaway. That's a gallery of my, of my work. Um, So I'm super scared. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable. I think with the type of property that you're looking at, one encouraging thing about that is that you've had trouble buying one. Oh, yeah. Which means that you would not have trouble selling one. Now, whether that's at a loss or not will depend on timing and market and stuff like that. Yeah, they sell quick. I think even even if you were, you know, to get into a place where a couple years down the road you had to sell it and you had to sell it at a loss, there's – given any situation, there's something to be said for even getting out of it, stopping the long-term bleeding for mm-hmm. short-term bleeding mm-hmm. <laughs> and having to like pay off the difference. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Then you have a known factor of like, this is now what we're left with that we have to figure out how to pay off rather than just like we have a piece of property that we 
cannot get rid of. Yeah. And we're just going to continue to pay on it forever and ever or whatever. Yep. I mean, that's one of the dangers. But I think with the location or the type of property that you're talking about, that seems like that would be kind of a plus, you know, mm-hmm. as far as how, how much, how hard it is for you to get one right now. Yep. But I mean, I've thought about property as well. And I don't, I'm not worried so much about it being a bad investment. Uh, I think the timing is just, it's one of those things, just like the stock market where you go like, you know, a couple of months ago would have been a great time to buy <laughs> X, you know? Yeah. And then that time has passed and it just, it's not going to be the same. You don't necessarily want to wait another 10 years for like, you know, all the rates to go down and all the whatever's whatever's. But um, I wish that I had bought a rental property uh, about a year ago, just I wish I had had the money to buy one a year ago and sit on it until I was ready to start you know, like renovating or whatever. But I didn't, so I didn't. So that's how that's uh, something I'm going to keep an eye out. Yeah, but. that's how investments go. the the th- The thing is, properties like they've always gone up in value over time. It's like we've been studying investments like stock market, property, uh, real estate for a while now, and real estate over time has just just like the stock market or as a whole over time has has gone up so i i think it's just a, a fear of change because mm. it's it's a it's a thing that soon as we buy this property light our lifestyle will instantly change like we will now be on a major budget we will now have a major time uh f- constraints with not constraints but just limited time to do things you know maybe there's no more go-kart racing because on the weekends i'm going to this property Mm. you know it's going to be a lifestyle change cleaning the drains out at the house 20 miles away cleaning the yeah yeah so i'm excited Mm. and i i think it i do think it will help the business in the in the long run i'm just wondering if we can just accept it doesn't seem like properties properties ever a bad investment for, unless for the most part yeah. a train with chemicals crashes on your backyard but besides <laughs> that it seems like it's always gonna be a lot lo- it's a long-term investment sometimes it's a quick flip but anything it seems like it would be the one- I, I feel like it might be has potential Good. to be a hard investment but not a bad investment. yeah right yes you know yeah. it'll just make um, things difficult what so what about bad investments though like what have you is there a tool mm. is there a uh, you you know you talked about the online class or the whatever the course for painting. Um, is there something that you thought would be really beneficial and it just it just has not paid off? This is not a diss on this company or this tool at all, but I really thought I was going to use my Shaper Origin a lot more, like a lot more, yeah. and yeah. I have not. And that was a very expensive machine. Um, and it is a very it's an amazing machine but i have not used it very much um i think with the shaper and again it's not it's no disrespect to the shaper because people have them and they get so much out of them someone like me and dave like you that has a cnc machine and understands instead of being like oh how can i take my cnc machine to the work we're always trying to figure out how can we get the work onto the cnc machine because that's the least path the path of least resistance Mm -hmm. and you're like you know you have the ripcord to take the machine to the work but you, you'll you'll literally put a car under that thing before you take the machine over there, just because you know the convenience of <laughs> sitting at the side of the gantry and just hitting start. Mm-hmm. So that's been my my hang up with it. It's I know no matter what I will make sure whatever I need to see, even if I have to like cut the roof off the car and stick it under the seat. <laughs> I just I use that as just a, as a it's a comfort a, thing. Representative. Yeah, it's easier for me to use the CNC machine because that's what I know. Yeah. But the guys that grow up learning how to use the shaper. We'll figure out how to use it in every sh- way, shape, and form. No pun intended. And they do a fantastic job. There's a guy in Europe who uses the Shaper for everything, and his work is just bananas. I wish I could remember his name, but uh, the Shaper channel promotes him a lot. He makes everything with the Shaper. Every joint on every piece of furniture he does. Like It, it doesn't even seem logical, but he, he his workflow makes it work every time. I, Sean sent me the guy's name. I won't know it, but yeah. I think that's it. We just start. We just started on a different path. The one investment that, as a self-employed person, that always always pays off, and I think you guys can agree with this, is space. 
like shop space, workspace. Yeah. Like we got a two, we live, we have a house that has two garages. We thought I have space for days. I've run out of space because of all these stupid things that I want to do. And Bob, <laughs> you got a big space and I've been over there. You filled up the whole thing and, and I haven't been to oh, Jimmy's yeah. barn, but that is filled. Packed. Yeah. <laughs> and now I have the barn down the street, the, the barn that's attached to the old house. And I put my first thing in it the other day. Uh-oh. Mm. The Robo. A new bandsaw? Ro- oh, there is a bandsaw. came with a bandsaw. Oh. No joke. There was a bandsaw <laughs> in the basement of the barn. There was an old wood shop. And the, there's an old bandsaw. There's an old craftsman, like maybe 24-inch bandsaw. It looks like it would work fine. It's just some for some reason it's slightly dismantled, but all the parts are there. <laughs> and so there's that that barn which i'm gonna fill up with stuff excited makes it really excited <laughs> that's that's the plan it's I'm really fill really it up. really excited to fill it up with stuff <laughs> no but my robot's over a, there it looks good in there i'm trying to think of a tool that i've bought and not really taken well i did the tig welder i thought that having a tig welder would afford me the like the practice you know like, if it's there, then I'll practice with it. And if it comes to steel, I just, I have not had any reason to even, like, test it on steel. Because I can do everything I need, I need, personally, with a MIG welder. And it's faster, and it's easier, and I don't have to learn a new skill. I can just do the thing and move on. The times I've tried to use it for aluminum have been super frustrating and barely workable. And so then I just have this pretty nice welder that just kind of sits there and gets in the way you know have um have either one of you thought it would be worth the twenty thousand dollars to get a laser welder have you seen them that looks like it works like a glue gun <laughs> have you seen yeah, the laser i'm welder? hoping somebody will get i'm hoping somebody no. will give me one. <laughs> oh my goodness they are bonkers it works like a glue gun you just or a caulking gun and z- yeah. it's zip zip but they're insanely wow. expensive hmm well that would definitely be a bad investment. <laughs> I don't think I would get that one. Um, I could say I could probably say that the uh, Bridgeport and Lathe were a bad investment. Really? Except that, well, because I really haven't used them very much. I, I have not taken advantage of having that capability. Really, I mean a little bit, but not not to the point that I thought I would. And I think one of the problems that I have is just that I assume that if something is there, I'll use it. Like I have this endless pool of ideas that I just I can't quite get to because I don't have a mill or I don't have a metal lathe or I don't have a, a welder or whatever. And when it comes down to it, it's like it's nice to have the capacity to do something. But if I don't have an idea to take advantage of it, it still gets unused. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's. You do need to. You do need to force. I need to force myself to utilize a lot of the machinery I have around. So, I, a, I don't lose the skill set if there is any left, or yeah. the the interest level, or to remember the viability of it. So, there are times where I force myself to use a machine, which might not be the right machine for the job, but in my mind, I'm like, it's here. I bought it. I need to remember. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose my my mojo for the thing completely. And I'll play with it. I'm like, oh, why haven't I played with this more often? I love this machine. Whatever it is. But it, I do go through that. I have this uh, yeah. the Incra iBox joint jig. It was probably $250 oh, yeah. some dollars. It was really expensive. And it works really well. But I have to watch a dang video every time <laughs> I go to use it. Because <laughs> it's complicated and so hard to set up. And so I don't use it. And... Looking back, you know, at that time, 200 and some dollars was probably a, a big investment. Like, oh, this is going to save me a lot of time and this is this is going to make doing things so easy. And it just it just sits on a sits on a shelf. But do you think over the years you've used it enough to make it worthwhile? No, like that? because really um, a few years ago or two, maybe two years ago, I made a box joint uh how to video where i just made a basically a cross cut sled with a pin in it and i have mm-hmm. that and it's always set up for um uh, quarter inch quarter inch finger joints 
So if I use uh, my data blade and I just use that because it's already set up and I just have to use it. Hmm. Yeah. Not a good. Yeah. Cause I got one of those too and I have to relearn it every several years when I use it as well. But I've ended up using it enough that I feel like even if I were to drop it in the trash can right now, it would have been worth the money. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. But like, you know, it, I think when I was doing my kitchen, I used it for some stuff. No, it wasn't the kitchen. I don't know. At some point, I used it a whole bunch. And that was the time that I'm like, okay, even if it was just for this one instance of of having it available, it was worthwhile. There's some tools, like I have a plasma cutter that I never could quite get working, and I've just never actually used it properly. And it wasn't expensive, but it also just is a thing that now I have that I don't want to throw away because it's basically brand new. I don't know that I could give it to somebody because I don't know if there's something wrong with it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, same kind of thing, I got a uh, spool gun for a MIG welder so that I could try to do aluminum with a MIG welder. Didn't work. Don't know why. I just now I, I have, just tried mine again for the first time in a while and it works great. I was playing with it. Man, now yeah, I got to do a project. I don't know if so now I'm stuck with the thing that's basically brand new and I don't know if it's if it uses, I'm, I assume uses, I'm the problem. But it I uses don't argon like, gas, by the way. Yeah. That's, so I have a few things like that, and it seems now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like it's mostly metalworking. <laughs> 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 hmm. Maybe that says more about me than the tools. But. Mm. Um, even out at the farm, like I, I, uh, I've tried to only buy stuff out there that I had a specific need for around the car. And that has worked out pretty well because I guess the only, the only caveat to that is I bought the same MIG welder that I had here at the house that I really like. It's like a Lincoln 240, I don't know, something. But about the same one out there, and then I started doing a bunch of sheet metal and realized that like it's just too powerful. It's too good of a welder to do really thin sheet metal. Sheet metal. So I went and got a welder from Harbor Freight. It sounds like I bought a worse welder, but I actually just <laughs> bought a cheaper, lower-powered welder on purpose. Still, actually, it wasn't that much cheaper, but um, it turned out that the a 110 welder for sheet metal just is a better... It's easier for me to control and and do really small welds. And so I guess, you know, as far as the tools out there for the car, that's the only one. The Lincoln welder is just like an unnecessary purchase. And that was, I don't know if it was a bad investment other than just I didn't know quite what I needed Mm. when I got it. But I'm sure I'll use it eventually. So anything else? Any other totally different things where you, you know... You maybe just spent a bunch of time in something and just turned out not to be worthwhile. Yeah, that Ken Griffey rookie card that I bought back in the 90s, it's worth nothing now. (laughs) Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. How many hundreds of dollars did you spend on that card? Probably $100. (laughs) I don't know what... Really? No, I don't remember. Um, Baseball, I have... uh, funny thing is my all my baseball cards i don't even know what i have anymore they're all at my friend's house uh like an hour away he was an old roommate sounds like they're your friends yeah yeah another they well he's had them for (laughs) 25 years now um yeah but he was an old roommate and he's like yeah i still have all your baseball cards i'm like yeah one day i'm gonna make the hour trip to go get them i um but uh i was big into baseball and football cards as, as a kid and I know they're they're worth nothing now, thanks to the internet and the availability of getting anything that you want. <laughs> My kid, okay, so I was never into Pokemon. Just Damn, while we're yeah, talking about yeah. cards, real quick, mm-hmm. I was never into Pokemon. It was like I was in college or whatever when it came out, so it was not interesting to me. My kids got into Pokemon a while back, and then they just buy a bunch of these cards and they throw them all around and they trade them and they whatever. And it turns out that my kid, one of them, has a card that's like four hundred dollars. It well. makes no sense to me because there's thousands and thousands. I mean, I guess baseball cards are the same way. I don't know. I never was into cards. But it blows my mind that there's any reason that a little piece of paper that just <laughs> happened to not get printed as many times as another piece of paper yeah. is worth $400. And so now, you know, he's like, had me buy a sleeve for it so that we have it in the sleeve. And now he's like, can, can you put it in the safe so it doesn't get messed up? And I'm like, ah, sure, man. So oh, man. <laughs> we have one card. <laughs> 
that has some sort of value. But I guess that was a good investment. I don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on this stuff? Investments? Mm-hmm. I never really, I don't I don't usually have too much regret. Mm. I said if I do and it's, if I can, sometimes if it's a thing that's handoffable, that's usually how I get rid of the regret is I just give it away. Mm. <laughs> it's like you could I mean, it. that's good, you know, that yeah. gives somebody else a chance to make something out of it if it yeah. didn't work for you. My loss is your gain. If anybody, anybody wants a, a, a plasma cutter. Anybody want a house with a, <laughs> with a graveyard? No, you should keep the graveyard. Just give the house away. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Do you have permission yeah, to do whatever cutter, you want with a graveyard? No. A couple of people around town said, yeah, as long as I do. They're like, they don't care. You know, I talked to some of the guys that are kind of loosely associated with the, the town supervisor people, and they're like, they, you could do whatever you want, then no one's going to care. But I mean, I would not alter it in any way other than just to make it better. Can we have a Halloween and party at your place? We could. We Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm not going to rearrange the gravestones. If anything, I'm just going to square them up, write them. Mm. And that's it. That would be the only thing I do. I wouldn't have them. Okay, them so I have an idea for you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you in the after show. I'm okay. going to tell you in the after show. I have an okay. idea for, yeah. It's <clears> really good. And by really, I mean not very. But I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. All right. Well, I want to thank our Patreon supporters for uh, investing in our show. Hopefully, oh. the show is not a bad investment for thank those you. people. That one might have been forced, but it did it anyway. Big thanks to everybody that helps us out over there. Uh, we are really grateful for all the support. You know, and everybody gets the after show, no matter the level that they've supported. We had some uh, changes this last week. Some people dropped down to lower levels, and some people came up to higher levels. Uh, specifically, the new Janky Workshop is now on our oh, top group. Cool. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Um, so big thanks to to him and everybody else. Uh, that top group of supporters, people who go above and beyond, are Crabtree Creative, the Web Ranch Woodworks, Gretchen Hofer, Michael Manegin, Warren Works, Stu Morrison, Scott Orm, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, uh, the new Janky Workshop, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Word. But also people like Andy Woodruff. So... There's a lot of people that help us. Thank we're you, grateful thank you. for all of them. Uh, if you guys want to get the after show, you want to hear my idea for Jimmy's graveyard, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Oh, that was good. We would appreciate it. All right. Do you guys have anything to recommend? I, I was going to mention Zoe, Zoe Wilson stone carving, and I put her Instagram in the chat. She uh-huh. makes these beautiful geometric patterns. And like I said, the stone carving is one skill set that is obviously top-notch, but her ability to create beautifully graphic geometric patterns and carve intricately through them, it's unbelievable. And I'm sure she's sick and tired of people asking her, is that a CNC carving? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they all look like. It's like wood. You know how like when people do chip carving in wood? It's usually those sort of folk art traditional patterns. She's taken that times 10 and... Does it in stone? Cool. Yeah. Check it out. Hey. What you got, Dave? Mine is a Kevin Smith talk. Um, I will say I like Clerks. I'm a fan of Clerks. Kevin Smith wrote Clerks, but I'm not yeah, one of those annoying like Clerk fanboys. I'm not quoting and <laughs> and doing impressions all the time. Uh, sorry to all the Clerk fanboys out there, but. Um, <laughs> Kevin Smith, he uh, this is on the People magazine uh, YouTube channel. He does a, a it's a talk on mental health, and it is it's thirty four minutes of just nothing but really really good stuff. He's telling some very vulnerable life stories. It's just such a good talk, and it was worth like every every second that I invested into watching this video. It was so good. Wow, cool. Cool, cool. Um, mine is a new video by my buddy uh, Jeremy Fielding. He he has a, a channel where he makes stuff and like talks about engineering and um, uh, robotics and like he's built a big robotic arm from scratch and stuff like that. But he has a second channel that's all about fatherhood, and it's called Fatherhood Engineered. And he just talks life lesson stuff. He's a father of four, and um, he he's just a good dude. And I really enjoy hanging out with him. I've seen him a lot in the last couple of weeks. And 
Um, he just put out a new video today, so I thought I'd throw it out there. But it's it's like good stuff. He's a good guy. He's got great insight onto things, a lot of life experience and stuff. So Yeah, he's got good Jeremy. stuff. He always has yeah. good stuff. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm going to go to a trade show this week. I'll let you know how it goes next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. unless you guys got anything else, we'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank That's you. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll Thank you, everybody. Uh, see you next time. Love you.